All right, everyone. Hope, we hope you are doing well. Uh, we have our second episode today, and so we just want to say thank you uh, for those that are watching. Thank you for those that are listening. Uh, it is a, a just a blessing to be here and have this opportunity. But more of, of that is a blessing to have Pastor Harry, who is our associate pastor here at Living Baptist Church, uh, a very wise man, a godly man. Uh, that just by seeing him and how he uh, how he behaves, how he talks, you're like, wow. Uh, so thank you, uh, Pastor Harry, for being here uh, with me this morning. As we, oh, great to be here. As we talk. Uh, now, Pastor, we will be bringing a, a topic that a lot of us have either gone through or are currently going through. Uh, why do bad things happen to good people? Uh, and I think that's one of the questions that uh, we are asked a lot. Uh, I think even if we're trying to share the gospel out there, that's one of the questions that comes up uh, plenty of times. Why do bad things happen? If you know, if there is a God, why do bad things happen? Why is there people dying of cancer? Why did my wife die? Or why did my uh, child is going through this, you know, problem, etc. But it's a t- it's a question that is asked a lot uh, of not from non-believers, just as well as from believers as well. That I mean, we might have a, a brother or sister out there who is probably asking that question right now. Why is this happening to me? And uh, Pastor, you know, I, we were talking about this just a, a minutes ago, and I was telling you about a friend, uh, my friend Isaiah, and he was preaching. Uh, and I remember when he was telling me, it's one of the most impactful stories that I've been told. And he said, you know, it's like, I'm here I am, I'm preaching on a Sunday evening. And I don't know where my heart starts beating fast. fast. And he just says, tells the congregation, someone please just call 911. He's not even, he's not even his 50. He's, a, he's three months older than I am. And we're talking about 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, imagine how young he was at that time. And he's preaching. Well, he was preaching. Now he's having this medical situation going on. And he's like, and he, he, he recalls the ambulance, the medics. They're trying to help him out. And he's just, the thing that he's just wondering and asking God, like, God, how is this happening to me as here I am? On a Sunday evening, I'm not even at home. Like, I'm at church. I'm trying to give your message to the world, to our congregation. And I'm having this problem right now in front of everybody, in front of the congregation. Uh, It's kind of an impactful story. Um, But, Pastor, I think you, I know you gave a great sermon, uh, you know, months ago on this as well. But why do bad things happen to you? good people well part of the problem there is the definition to begin with people want to value judge on mm-hmm. what is a good person and generally the way we do that is by doing comparisons with other people mm. so and of course we never find you know a mother Teresa or a Billy Graham to compare ourselves to <laughs> right <laughs> we always try to find somebody you know drug addict or a 
big criminal or a child molest. And we want to compare ourselves to them and say, well, I'm better than them. Right. But when we compare ourselves in Scripture, we find that Scripture says there is none that are not guilty, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Wow. So when you come to that definition, there are no good people. Mm. And in fact, the question really should be is how come more bad stuff doesn't happen to bad people? To bad people, right. <laughs> yeah. I should be amazed that I only have these things happening. And, and really, the, the kind of the question that, that comes up that really brings it to it is people are saying, well, either God isn't um, all good, therefore he can't stop evil, right? or he's not all powerful, and evil just happens. He's good, but he can't get it stopped. And again, those are making assumptions and going in in a way that just doesn't coincide with biblical reality and actual reality. We, we should be amazed that we only have the amount of suffering that we do. And it's, it, then it comes down to a timing thing a lot of times. So again, maybe this is more of a, we're asking the wrong question or we're defining, you know, good, I guess, in <laughs> the improper way, I guess. Um, but again, I guess, you're, you're, I mean, you're right. We have been taught, I guess, since we were kids, well, you're a good kid. And that's something I tell my kids. Well, yeah. You're a, be a good kid. Be a good kid. And so we kind of see good. Okay, good, good, good. But then you see all these, for example, like you said, if we have these criminals out there or we have people molesting children or we have peop- uh, someone killing uh, their neighbor or, I don't know, et cetera. And we kind of define ourselves or we kind of identify ourselves as good because of who we are and what we see especially now where we have social media out there and we can we find out things like wow i didn't know this was going on right and 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 it all gets down to these comparative values that we try to bolster ourselves up the bible has that great story of a guy named job Mm. who is apparently doing everything right and super successful and all that and then you read through that and you see that the things that happen are still under God's control right. and for a reason and a purpose. A um, couple of verses that I looked up prior to getting here. First Chronicles chapter 29, verses 11 and 12 says this, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted mm-hmm. as head above all. And then in, in the book of Psalms, chapter 135, verse 6, it says this, Whatever the Lord pleases, he does, in heaven and on earth and in the seas and all the deeps. So we see that God is absolutely, according to the Bible, is in control of all this stuff. So now we question, well, if you're in control, how come this is happening? Because I want to define what is good in my life. Right. I want to define what is bad in my life. And what is bad is anything that I don't like, (laughs) anything that hurts, anything that doesn't feel good to me. And good, of course, is the opposite of everything else. And yet, the Bible says, because we've all sinned, we've fallen short of the glory of God, that we are dead Mm. in our trespasses and sins. And so... But no one's good. No one's good. 
the punishment is death. That's what he proclaimed back in the Garden of Eden. And so really that's where my position is. So I should be amazed that it's anything else, but yet it, then it's the mercy of God that has changed all that and given me the possibilities of that. And also in the, I, I teach a course at a nearby university, at Grand Canyon University, I'll just give them the plug, um, on Christian worldview. And one of the things that I point out is that it's a totality of story and it's the end of the game that I'm looking for. Right. And that is good because it's in heaven, it's eternity, it's walking with Christ, it's having a body that no longer gets pain and suffering, it's all this stuff. So in the meantime, I have all of these experiences, and that's what I'm questioning on a regular basis. Mm. And so I know one of the, the most uh, popular, Pastor Harry, the uh, verbs, uh, verses that, I, that you hear a lot, and it's kind of hard, it's easy to, like it's a beautiful verse, but I think, and then that's Romans eight twenty eight. I think that's one of the most popular ones. Uh, what what, do you, what would you say? To, you know, we we say it all the time that you know everything works for good, and and it's a, you know that okay, are uh, you gonna do something? But uh, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it's easier said than done. But then again, there there's qualifiers there for those who are called according to God's purpose, who are living for Christ. Um, and all of us have had suffering. I, I. In um, in another tomorrow, I'm going to go to a cemetery, and I'm going to clean off the headstone for my third daughter. Wow. Um, there was a point in my life where I carried a very small pink casket for my newborn daughter. That hurt. It still does. That was back in 1989. But then I look and see what has God done with that sense, and where where do I go? What do I do with this? Mm. Um, Lamentations, that that great book where the, the writer is is talking about all of his hurts and his pains. He writes this in chapter three, verse twenty-two: "Because of the Lord's faithful love, we don't perish, and His mercies never end." And now I have the ability to look back in time, and of course. Hindsight is always twenty twenty. Twenty, yeah. Um, and while it desperately hurt my wife and I, we, we had two daughters when we found out we were pregnant with our third. Ah. And at ten weeks into the pregnancy, we went for the ultrasound. All happiness. We thought two little girls were going to have another child and maybe find out the sex. All that stuff. The daughters are excited because they're going to have a sister. All of that, and. The tech gets very quiet, won't suddenly talk to us, leaves after it's done. We get a call that afternoon from the pediatrician, and I will never forget this phrase. Your your child has a condition that is incompatible with life. Mm. Wow. What a very highbrow term for saying it. And suddenly we were faced with the whole abortion issue as believers because our my wife's uh, gynecologist, I said pediatricians, gynecologist, yeah. said we need to terminate this pregnancy because this child has a condition called anencephaly where the top of her head's not going to form and her brain's not going to form. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, that topic of abortion went from this out there subject to 
very personal. And we had to confront that. What do we believe? What do we really believe? And with a lot of crying, weeping, prayer, uh, we decided that this is what God had given us, and we were going to go mm. through it. But, um, and we st- this was before internet, and I know probably some of the people that are listening and watching are going, there was a time before the internet? <laughs> 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 yep. So uh, we end up going to the library and researching and trying to learn everything about this condition and what, yeah. what we could expect. Um, and really educated ourselves well, and then went through the process down to the term. My wife has C-sections, um, so now we end up handpicking the entire team that was going to be there for the delivery and the birth because that was going to be traumatic for them. And we were thinking about the nurse and the anesthesiologist because it's not going to be a happy day. Yeah. Um, and as it turned out, uh, our daughter Chelsea was born alive she lived for about 45 minutes and then having not having a brain her her body quit and and mm-hmm. she went she went to heaven but subsequent to that my wife Cindy has been able to counsel and work with a number of women who now have also been diagnosed mm-hmm. with that condition that were struggling with it. And now she could come alongside them and say, hey, let me help you walk this, this path. Let me go through this with you. I've been through it. Let me tell you what to expect. Right. Um, both believers and non-believers. Um, in fact, one, again, pre-internet. So one was a, a missionary couple in Southeast Asia. And so now we're doing snail mail but writing back and forth. The others were, were local. And so now we could look back on it and say, okay, this, this is part of the reason that God took us through this time of suffering yeah. was to kind of act like a, uh, an inoculation. We're building up the antibodies that we can now go in and work with somebody else and help them through this terrible, awful time in their life. And we were then able to say thank you for allowing us the privilege of going through this horrible time of suffering so that we could then love on somebody else who's going through it and be that hands, literally the hands and feet of Jesus to come in and hug on him and say, we've been through this. How, how can we help you? With this? Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, th- that was going to be my next question, Pastor Harry. I mean, on our last episode, we had Joel Ross when he was talking about sharing the gospel and out in the streets with the homeless. And but he himself was a homeless uh, person who lived out as a homeless for years. Uh, and now we have the story, you, you know, your testimony of you and your wife, you know, experiencing what, what happened to your daughter. I mean, you know, do you, do you, does God allow these things to happen to be able to t- help others who? I mean that's basically what you're, you're what I'm understanding, is that now your wife is able to talk to other ladies who are maybe going to the who are placed in the same situation, uh, and the same thing for Joe Razo, uh, who he has been able to help those homeless out there as well. Um, but do maybe do these hardships in life that we face as believers help us to where God's name will be glorified and 
you know. Absolutely. And I think now our ministry can be a, even a deeper ministry mm. where I can come along somebody and say, I, while I don't fully understand because everybody's experience is different, yeah. but I understand at least to some degree in a way that somebody who's never been through it would never understand. Right, right. And so now my ministry is very deep and very personal in in working with folks who are struggling with, and not necessarily just the loss of a child. I mean, I kind of mentioned that at the beginning. That was one of my experiences. Um, but in other areas of suffering, where I can bring that in and say, yeah, I, I understand suffering. I've, I've, I've been there. I, I've done that. And here's how God has brought me through it. And if God is who he is and he's perfect, that makes him consistent. So if he did it once, he's going to do it again. Right, it's right. the way he operates. And, and I think, Pastor Harry, that you've been one of the ones that have seen suffering suffering uh, on a daily basis because not only are you a, a, a pastor, but you are, you are a retired police officer as well. Suffering is something you saw and what our police officers see on a daily basis, all that negativity, all that suffering of people. Uh, I mean, how does someone see, like, uh, even for someone who's not a believer, and you're like, man, as a cop, and here you are taking care of a, I don't know, of a child because a mom or dad decided to have that, they had a rough time together, and, and one of them ended up dead, or both of them ended up dead. I mean, how can you explain something like that for those that maybe... Uh, don't know Jesus yet. Well, and yeah, exactly. And there's there's trauma to the to the officer yeah. <laughs> because you're having to deal with that. It, it's been I think Apropoli said that we deal with ten percent of the population, ninety percent of the time, mm. kind of the knuckleheads out there. But then when we deal with the other ninety percent of the population, we're dealing with them on a bad day. Wow. Something horrible's happened. Their house has been broken into. There's been spousal abuse. There's been uh, who knows what. It, people having really bad days. And now, in that particular profession, I'm trying to come in and be what Jesus said is a peacemaker. Yeah. And bring peace back in there. I've always marveled at officers who are not believers because of the trauma that they're abs absorbing on a regular basis wow. from everybody else's life. At least I had that going, going for me. Um, bring another uh, verse in here is that I have to also remember that when I look at bad things happening, Bad, something bad happened to the very best person who ever walked this planet. Jesus was fully human as mm -hmm. much as he was fully God. And it said, it said in Scripture that he was beaten to the point beyond recognition. Beyond recognition. He was nailed to a cross for no crime at all, which is a horrible way to die. It, it's, it's slow suffocation. Um, and so if that could happen to him, and he suffered more than I do, what, as a believer, I then try to look around and do a, I do a kind of a cost comparison. 
between what I'm going through and what he did. And if he was willing to do that for me, and Jesus said to his followers, if, you, if you're going to follow after me, you're going to take up your cross. And what is a cross? It's an it's a instrument of death. Yeah. You're going to, and most of us run from instruments of death. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to hurt. I don't want anything to do with that. But he said, take this up, bring it with you, and follow after me. So I have to look forward and at my instrument of death that I'm carrying and say, okay, I'm going to take this right along and follow after Christ who already did this for me. And if he was able to do that, how much more should I be willing to suffer as well in his name in response to what he did because that's what he asked me to do. So suffering suddenly, and you look at the, the apostles who, except for John, all suffered and died horrible deaths. They counted it as great glory and honor to be able to do that for Jesus Christ. Wow. So now suffering no longer becomes this bad thing. It becomes, wow, this is something that I get to do mm. in the name that for, of Jesus to bring him honor, to bring him glory. Right, right. Yep. And wow, that, that's, that is so true. Sometimes we forget that Jesus himself suffered. You know, pastors, uh, especially now in a time uh, as believers and in a time of prosperity gospel, for example, uh, and that you need to live, uh, you know, that if, and I, I came from a, a church years ago from that, uh, out of that, that uh, if you're suffering, because you're, you're sinning. You're a sinner. And if you don't have money, it's because you're a sinner or you're not being faithful to God. And that's why you're suffering, because you're not loving God and being faithful to God like you're supposed to. And that's that's really happening in some of the churches throughout the world. Uh, and, you, you know, that's something I saw, what, 15 years ago and something that I still continue to see uh, of churches out there. They're still preaching that prosperity gospel. Uh, but that's the, I mean, that's what it definitely is uh, not true. But what do you, what, what, what would you say to those that uh, maybe like me have attended to a, a church like that or is attending a church? <laughs> really, what that comes down to, it, it tries to blend, and I've run into Christians who do this and try to set some of their thinking straight, and it runs down into the old karma. Good things happen to people who are good and doing good stuff. Bad stuff happens to bad people who are doing bad stuff. That's just karma, and that's not... Nothing biblical. Yeah. That's not biblical at all. That gets back to the old um, Zeus and the thunderbolts. You know, you're doing something, you know, I'm going to zap you with a thunderbolt. Um God does discipline, but as good parents, we discipline our children because we don't want them to go down a certain path. Right. And so, yeah, sometimes the discipline smarts a little bit. <laughs> right. um, I think several of my kids would have a T-shirt that says, I'm a wooden spoon survivor. <laughs> <laughs> but it's because I wanted my children to not go down a path that I knew in the long run would be harmful to them, would, would cause them more pain if I can give them a little educational discipline now, and the Lord loves me to the point where he's going to discipline me now, 
And we're going to call that suffering, but that's not suffering. That's the Lord saying, hey, I need to correct you. I love you too much to let you go down this path. Because if I let you go down that path, man, you're going to really hurt down there. Because God, mm -hmm. one of the characteristics of God is he's omniscient. He knows everything. So he knows that I can give you a, a, a little owie right now to correct your thinking to prevent something far greater if I let you go down this path that you're on. I love you too much to go into that suffering. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you a little, I'm going to give you a little educational right. thing here. I'm going to correct your thinking. I'm going to get you to focus on me and then go back to that Romans 8.28 passage and say that, hey, all of this is going to work out for my good Remember. if I love the Lord and I'm called according to his purpose, doing what he asked to do. And he's doing it because he loves us. Absolutely. It's, it's love-based discipline. Hard love. You know, uh, which is something we got to remember for some of our kids. Our society has kind of backed away from that in huge, and we're seeing the results of that yeah. in a generation that is so self-absorbed um, that they can't even figure out where they're going and what mm. they want because they're so self-absorbed. And then that it's fickle. That changes from day to day to day to day. Right. And then they're upset with something uh -huh. happened yesterday. Um, but as for those in, in the audience who are listening to this that are believers that call on the name of the Lord, Psalm 135.3, praise the Lord for all the Lord is good. Sing praise to his name for it's delightful. And we have to remember to be able to do that. Um, during the height of COVID, it hit me. It hit my house. Uh, my wife and I got unbelievably sick. I have some lung problems anyway on a good day. <laughs> I've, I've got scar tissue on my lungs so forth. But I developed pulmonary embolism, which is a nice fancy medical term for blood clots in my lungs. Oh, wow. And then I got blood clots in my legs, which was also kind of part of that whole pandemic thing going on. And with my compromised breathing anyway, then I got put in the hospital, and the doctor in his great bedside manner said, well, you're either going to walk out of here or roll out of here. So you're either going to walk <laughs> out cured or we're going to roll you out, you know, to the mortuary. And I'm, I'm laying in the hospital. Of course, COVID, nobody can come visit you. I had driven myself to the hospital on the advice of my doctor, and then they, they freaked out and said, oh, we're keeping you. So I didn't even get to say goodbye to my wife wow. or my kids, and I'm in the hospital and waiting to see am I going to survive this thing or not. Sure. And then that Psalm 135.3 came back to my mind, and I said, thanks. Thank you, God, you know, because as a believer, I'm in a win-win situation. If I roll out of here, I'm in heaven. Scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Yep. I win. Now it's may not be so positive for my wife and my kids and my grandkids, but I'm, I'm good. If I walk out of here, that just means God's got something else for me to do, and now I'm going to have an even deeper ministry mm. than I had before I ended up. So then that now as I'm dealing with other COVID patients, yeah. again, I can say, I understand. I've been there. I was in that hospital facing the possibility that I might roll out right. instead of walk out. And then subsequent to that, um, I got the teaching gig at Grand Canyon, and now I'm interacting with 
a whole new generation and bringing God's word out there. It's, again, it's another win. Yeah, so a win-win know, situation. What, was I suffering at the time? Yeah, I couldn't breathe. And I, I'll tell you what, that can be a little scary. Kind of take for granted just breathing because <laughs> we just do it all day <laughs> yeah. right up until you can't and then all of a sudden wow this is this is scary and i i had other friends uh, a good friend of mine who went in the hospital and he rolled out he did not walk out of it uh, i mean COVID did affect yeah, a lot of people a, lo- a lot of people and that gets back to this whole topic you know why would god allow a pandemic again God is omniscient. He knows. Personally, I think one of the reasons, one, maybe, and this is just Harry Sexton giving a personal opinion, but I think it was partially for the church to wake the church back up and say, you know what? I'm in charge. You guys have been just kind of skimming along here, but there's real Mm -hmm. disaster, and you need to be doing what I asked you to do. I asked you to Love the Lord your God with your heart, strength, soul, and mind, and then love your neighbor. And of course, biblical love isn't an emotion, it's an action. So what are you doing to love on brothers and sisters in the Lord and brothers and sisters who aren't in the Lord, who are in your community, who are dying of of this pandemic, whose families are affected by it? Church, it's time to wake up and start looking like the body of Christ and loving on people so that people can see God in a practical, hands-on, everyday basis, Amen. which w- is a positive. Again, we say, oh, oh, this pandemic. But if it wakes the church up and makes people realize, I've got a short time, I need to love on people, it's a win. Amen. Amen. And I know that's something that uh, we need to see, especially in a time now. I mean, we got... Ukraine war. The world's right now. We got the war in Ukraine. We got the war in Israel with Palestine. We have uh, Taiwan and China. All that tension there. And we were talking about th- this a few weeks, a few days ago. How the world is so sensitive right now that anything can happen right now. And you kind of question. I well, I was questioning myself if something would happen. Let's say in our nation, how we would we as believers, you know, act. In response in this this type of situation, uh, you know, and I know sometimes we've been criticized for all we do is just pray, and that's all we do. Uh, but what what would you tell someone who who is asking that question? Okay, what do we do as believers, uh, you know, during this time of with the Israel conflict and the Ukraine conflict and uh, our divided nation right now? Uh, what, what can what would you tell a believer uh, who's listening to us right now? To do what Jesus says. <laughs> and it's so simple, but we make it so difficult. And then we want to focus in on all of the details. It's kind of the bit of, I, I miss seeing the forest because I'm so busy looking at a single tree. Um, Proverbs 35, or Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I need to first focus on God and who he is and mm. what he's doing. And then Jesus said, when, when the lawyers came to him and said, what are the greatest commandments? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind. Then love your neighbors. That's what I would tell somebody with all of this stuff. 
I need to focus on those two commands. If I'm loving God with everything I have, that's the first one, because I can't love on my neighbors till I do that. If I get that right, then I'll start loving on my neighbors. I'll start doing stuff. And then all of the rest of those details are in God's hands, and he's going to work it out. Mm-hmm. And now I bring Romans 8.28 back in. It's going to work out for good. And I quit worrying about all of these details that I'm not in control of. See, we're control freaks. <laughs> yeah. As human beings, we want to control. That's I, who I we wanna, are. I want to control it. I want to know. I want to have this stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm a classic A personality. People who know me kind of figure that out real quick. Uh, and as a former police officer, yeah, I'm a bit of a control freak. Uh, <laughs> when I sit in a restaurant, I still sit with my back to a wall where I can face the door. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. these things that have been wired into me over time. Right. But I have to understand that God is in control, and he's good, mm. and he's perfect. So everything is going to work out exactly as he decided and the end of the story is going to be good, and i got to quit. You know, when you're reading a novel and things are going crazy and happening, you haven't read the end of the story yet. Yeah. And typically a good writer will then work it out, and the bad guy gets punished, and the good guy wins, and all that stuff. But if you're just reading that particular chapter in the middle where the bad guy's winning and the girl is tied up on the railroad track and the train is coming, it's you're coming. going, ah! <laughs> yeah. Thing is in with the Bible, He's given us the end of the story. Yeah. We know where this is all going and what it's going to end up, and it is phenomenal for those who believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now I quit worrying about the details. Now I say that with a caveat. Mm. Do I actually quit worrying about it? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Uh, I'm as human as everybody yeah. else, so there are days that I focus in on the single tree and I quit seeing the, the forest. The forest. And then I freak out because I'm human. And then God kind of gently grabs me by the chin, refocuses me and says, son, remember? Remember who, who's in charge here? I got this. Settle yourself down. It's going to be fine. Yeah. I mean, and then, yes, okay, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Amen, amen on that. I think so. We have to try to stop controlling our, you know, what we can't control. Trust in God. You know, no matter the situation or circumstances we are facing, we have to trust in God. And I know it's easier said than done, but we have the mighty Lord with us. Uh, He was with David. You know, it wasn't the rock that took out Goliath. It was the power of God. And it was in Daniel's, you know, strength that kept the lions from eating him in the den. Absolutely. I think and we and forget all, who was with us. It's a faith thing. Do I really believe it or don't I? Mm. If I really believe it, then the suffering is going to fade into the background. David, you brought up David. He, that's an amazing story. Yeah. He's a teen. Yeah. This guy's 10 foot tall. And if you read the story carefully... He didn't just go up against Goliath. He went up against two people because Goliath had a shield bearer. Mm. So this big 10-foot giant with a huge spear, they said the shaft of it, you know, was <laughs> huge because he's massive. But he's got a guy out in front of him 
with a shield to protect him while he's busy going to kill you. So David goes up against two guys. But he takes five stones. There's the detail. Mm. So is he taking four more in case he misses? That's kind of the initial reading. Okay, well, I, I, you know, when I was a police officer, you know, I had a sidearm, and it's a semi-automatic. It has 15 rounds in the magazine right. and one in the chamber. And then I had two more magazines. So it had 16 ready to go. And I always kind of said, you know, if I get through the first 16, I'm in a bad situation. <laughs> Even if I've got two more mag, those are the other two magazines are just there to get me out of a situation <laughs> yeah, I don't belong right. in. So is David doing that? Is he is he arming up to until you really read through scripture and you find that Goliath had four brothers. Mm-hmm. He had five stones. Goliath and his four brothers. He had one stone for each. For each one. Because in those days, and we st- I still see it from time to time here, but in those days it was a very common thing that if somebody killed somebody of your family, your family avenged you. Mm-hmm. So he was anticipating four more big guys coming out, and he had one stone free. He believed that God was going to take all of them out. Now, again, as you read through Scripture, you find out that each of those brothers ends up getting killed later on. Right. But yes. they don't they don't show up in the story then. David doesn't know that. He says, okay, there's apparently they know. I see five of them. The, the Goliath brothers are, are famous. So there's five of them. I got five stones. Let's go, God. You've got this. I, I need to go into my times of suffering the exact same way. God, you've got this. I'm armed up. Let's go. Psalm 23, probably the most famous mm-hmm. of the Psalms. Done it dozens, we know it by memory. Dozens of funerals. And I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say that I stay there, that I set up a camp, that I build my house there. Mm-hmm. It says I'm going to go through it. And when we're in suffering, all we can see is the suffering for now. We don't see down the road, down the road. that God is going to take us through this and out the other side. And if we walk out, like I walked out of that hospital, now my ministry is going to be deeper and set, and I'm going to be able to minister to people and love on people following that second Mm. commandment in ways that I never could have had I not gone through that. Amen. And if I roll out, if I'm put on a gurney and roll to the mortician, I now step into the presence of Jesus. What am I worried about? Does it hurt at the moment? Yeah, I have to admit that. I've had lots of hurts. I've had some recent hurts because there's there's nothing like the wounding of a of a close friend to really hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your enemies you expect. It's those people that you trust when they when they hurt you, that hurts. That hurts. But where am I going? Where is God taking me? Mm-hmm. I've got to be focused down there and not in the right now. Love when it. I focus on the right now, then that's all I can see. Amen. And so my prayer always is in those times is, God, show me where you're taking me, not where I'm at. Amen. Well, what, what, what a beautiful um, message or, you know, discussion we had. And uh, Pastor Harry, I would like, you know, just to conclude our episode, if you 
could lead, you know, lead us into prayer. Uh, you know, maybe we have that audience who's watching us or listening to us in their vehicle or on TV, and, you know, they're asking themselves, why am I suffering? But we know that God is with us. Greater is he who is with us than he who is against us. And um, But can you pray for uh, for for those uh, people who are maybe going through a, a rough time right now? Um, and... Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Amen. I lo- There's nothing like talking to God. Yep. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amen. There's nothing like talking yeah. to God. Uh, let's talk to him. Heavenly Father. Oh, man. Thank you that you have shown us who you are mm-hmm. and that you loved us when we were totally unlovable. Mm-hmm. When we were dead. When we shook our fist at you and said, no, I will do it my way. Father, I think all the way back to Adam and Eve when they willingly, openly said, no, I will defy you and do what I want. Father, I've done that. There are days that I still do that. And Father, it's it's those times when you just throw your arms around me and say, son, let me refocus you. Let me bring you back. Father, suffering, you understand because you sent your son who left the glory of heaven, the perfection of heaven, to take on a, a human body that we all know and experience what it was like. Father, he got hungry. He got tired. He had people abandon him. People speak bad about him. And then physical suffering, beaten beyond recognition, nailed to a cross, couldn't breathe. Father, I, when I couldn't breathe, I thought about your son not being able to breathe on that cross. Mm-hmm. And all for my good, all so that I could be reconciled to you. Father, for those in the audience that are suffering, Show them who you are. Show them a God who says, I love you beyond your ability to even comprehend how much I love you. I know where you are. I know what you're going through. And I love you. And as the psalmist wrote, I'm going to take you through this valley. I'm going to take you through shadows that feel like death. And I'm going to bring you into my life. Father, the very first thing you created was light. And it describes who you are. When the valley of shadows are dark and they feel scary and they hurt and there's pain. But Father, the other end of the valley is where you are. And it's light and it's warmth and it's peace and it's joy. Mm. Father, remind us that that's where we are going and that this temporary time of suffering and even if it's been years it's temporary when it compares to eternity Mm. that it is temporary and for those who love you who are called according to your purpose Romans 8.28 Father Father for those in the audience who are listening and hearing we have not called on your name 
Show them who you are. Show them the truth of how much you love them. Bring them to an understanding of who they, who you are so that they too may claim Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior so that they can endure suffering for your name, for your honor, for your glory and have the assurance in their life that suffering is temporary and is something that is for good. Good for others, good for them, and good for all of eternity. Amen. Father, we thank you for who you are and that you will answer this prayer because it's your nature to do so. We thank you for that. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Harry.